This one is number 203, entitled Pope Francis and the Quest for the Historical Jesus. And you've just heard, golly, needless to say, um, Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. And the Good Vibrations of um, the visit of Pope Francis, actually the Good Vibrations of Pope Francis in person, extend to an area of 
interest and knowledge that is of great interest to many of us and has been certainly of highly defined and lifelong historical interest to um, me, and it relates to this so-called quest for the historical Jesus because when you see Pope Francis in action and study the videos of him in connection with individuals, especially individuals in the public life he leads, individuals whom he meets or encounters, especially those in some form of urgent or palpable or immediate distress, you gain a window into the historical Jesus that I think um, is, uh, for me at least, highly magnifying and clarifying. And it also reveals what nonsense I was involved in for so many years in following such nonsense that has been written about the historical Jesus in the history of um, in the history of. Uh, uh, Christian scholarship, um, especially in the history of Protestant scholarship, which had a kind of early um, focus on the both the synoptic problem and the roots of the historical Jesus because of Protestantism's high uh, interest in investigation and objective rational research, particularly in relationship to the word. And what <coughs> comes across is that Pope Francis's interactions with people simply puts to rest Almost all the questions that we were wrestling with and that we denominated with all kinds of abstruse nominalizations over the years. Let me explain. Um, there are uh, considered in the sort of categorical way that uh, people in academic life operate um, three uh, supposed um, quests for the historical Jesus. And uh, these... Um, I won't, uh, well, I mean, one is associated with uh, sort of um, uh, 19th century liberalism, an attempt to understand Jesus, <clears throat> and uh, Renan and Strauss and people like that. I don't want to give a lecture. I really don't. Uh, let me simply say that there have been various categorizable or supposedly categorizable attempts to uh, understand on the basis of limited textual evidence, which is the four Gospels and some passages in St. Paul and other letters of the New Testament, and a very, very few uh, external sources uh, like Josephus and uh, one or two others. There have been mighty attempts to try to verify or debunk or reconstruct the picture of Jesus of Nazareth as it is given in the New Testament and as the uh, Christian church and Christian people have um, uh, ha have venerated and uh, been so affected by the teachings and the person of this remarkable man. And um, the... Um, uh, attempts are as nothing. They they are as ashes from a fire that, uh, that is being um, blown out. They become as nothing when you watch Pope Francis, because Pope Francis' interactions with people are, in 2015 and earlier, in our present moment, exactly the same kind of interactions down to the details that uh, Jesus of Nazareth had with individuals in his ministry in Galilee and Judea and Samaria and the uh, uh, Decapolis and all the words we use for um, uh, Palestine and the land of Israel. And to watch Pope Francis in action is to simply kind of blow away, uh, you know, ch 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 tumbleweed connection 
protection, uh, uh, chaff in the wind, uh, almost everything that I have ever read, uh, with the exception of Renault, perhaps, who understood it so deeply. Um, but And there are others. Of course, there are many others. But nonetheless, um, it blows away the core uh, skepticisms of... Uh, uh, academic observers and uh, observers of all sorts, almost none of whom turn out to have been really unprejudiced or non-biased. That includes me. And uh, because we see in um, Francis a verification, empirical verification of the principles <clears throat> by which Jesus's popularity, as well as his um, unpopularity in some quarters, but most importantly, his um, penetrating effects on the lives of individuals and ultimately on the lives of cultures and nations in the world, how it actually happened. <coughs> now, I talked in the last podcast about the way that um, it, the fiat uh, on the tarmac at the Philadelphia airport, an airport I spent so many fruitless hours waiting for canceled or delayed flights, but I, so I can really identify with those people on the tarmac, but or anywhere there. But he, he gets out of his... Um, he gets out of his fiat, and he goes over, and the young 10-year-old boy with the Keating child, with uh, cerebral palsy, he kisses, and he holds, and I watched it carefully. I've watched it again and again, but it, it turns out that this uh, kind of encounter, uh, Pache, his um, holding, his kissings of the babies, his constantly blessing older people, senile people, uh, mentally handicapped people, deeply troubled people, very vulnerable immigrant people, um, people of all sorts and conditions, his constant stopping of the train to uh, get off and um, make a profound uh, statement of sympathy, empathy, oneness, uh, and understanding um, with the most uh, troubled, needy, suffering, and vulnerable uh, people in uh, his path. That is exactly what Jesus did. I mean, he did it again and again and again and again. And he constantly saw someone's passionate desire to see him as a form of faith that required his attention and his personal attention to the person's condition. I mean, let's talk about Bartimaeus. Um, um, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy upon me. Three times he calls. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And he's very embarrassing, his, his uh, p- p- persistent cries. And Jesus stops. And uh, he leaps up, Bartimaeus, and comes to him. Jesus heals him and says, your faith has made you well. And he received his sight. Um, Zacchaeus, um, I have a piece of bark from the um, tree. Uh, Is it a eucalyptus tree? I always forget. But I have a piece of bark from the tree, which is historically um, believed to be the great descendant of the tree uh, in which... um, um, sycamore, I think it was a sycamore tree in which uh, Zacchaeus, um, the moneylender and tax collector, was uh, climbing to see the Lord. And we saw this in a number of places in Philadelphia where young men uh, were climbing into trees and climbing on top of stop signs and climbing on top of traffic lights to see the Pope. The way he would stop, the way he would be mobbed, the way his handlers, you know, the disciples are nervous. I mean, they're nervous about what today they'd be nervous about security, physical security. But then they were just nervous about him him, letting him go. He was so out of control from their point of view. And so his handlers were constantly anxious about his – by the way, did you see that blonde – haired uh, youngish woman who looked sort of, I'm sure she was an FBI uh, security leader because she was in every single appearance, 
you'd look and you'd see her floating around. I, I thought Dana Scully, you know, um, uh, she, she looked like, you know, I wondered, what's the backstory? What is she thinking? Because she's obviously a key part of his federal security. Um, and I saw her all the time. But the power of this cutting loose to need, this explains uh, Christ's um, enormous um, uh, popularity and his tremendous uh, magnetism in his uh, culture. And um, then his uh, comments, I mean, everything that Pope uh, Francis, if you look at it ideologically, he takes away with his left hand what he gives you with your right hand. I mean, on the one hand, he's um, all about inclusion. I mean, really all about inclusion. But then he's also all about religious liberty. And uh, apparently he meets with someone who's very um, much connected in the public or media eye with the right. Uh, And yet his... um, overall uh, perspective is embraced by Bernie Sanders as being almost 85% of the left. And um, he's constantly, as he says, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm interpreted wrong. I'm not an ideological lefty. I follow the church's teaching. I am, in fact, a Christian, and that's the powerful thing. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, he, he embodies in his speeches. His speeches verify the tilt of the beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount from top to bottom. Did you notice what he said about women? He said, we've decided that there can't be women priests. And whatever you think about that, listener, I I don't think that I'm against this. My record is quite uh, on the side of the other, but he says it. It's been decided because my predecessor, Pope Paul VI, decided it after very great intensive scrutiny uh, not to ordain women to the priesthood. On the other hand, he says, women are more important than men or more powerful. I think he actually graded them above men. He graded the contribution of women to the church above the contribution of, of men. So he, 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 he gives women not just um, uh, something, you know, a crumb from the master's table, but he assesses them as a higher uh, capability. That's right. They're more capable than men. I mean, I'm married to one, for heaven's sake. Uh, many of us are married to women who are much, much more capable than we as men are, never will be. And yet he also said the other. So he's not pinnable down. And Christ was constantly saying things that could not be pinned down by the ideologues uh, of his time. And so what I'm getting at is that all this um, attempt to try to understand Jesus uh, and to try to reconstruct him according to various insights that we think are fresh and new, they fall to the ground when you actually watch Jesus. And uh, sorry, see, uh, when you watch Pope Francis in action, because his um, his uh, connection with the core persona and attitude and understandings, and most importantly, his his uh, God given tilt to the dispossessed of the of the human world and the planet, and the unjustly treated and the. Um, malefactors, the culprits, as well as the victims. This is so in keeping with what we read about uh, uh, concerning Jesus in the Gospels that it verifies it. In other words, we don't need to go any further than the Gospels. Why make a, what he was an agrarian reformer? Well, I mean, you could say that in certain respects, Pope Francis uh, sounds like someone or is, in fact, an agrarian reformer. But then other people say, oh, no, he was a Gnostic mystic healer in the tradition of uh, Dionysius of Tyana, you know, or, or Apollonius or something like that. And, and is, do I, I hope I got that right. Um, uh, I used to study these things. That's why I don't mind talking about them, because the, 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 the languages are all buried deeply within my 
archaeology and to some extent forgotten now. Um, but he was he is he an apostolic um, mystic teacher in the um, tradition of Apollonius of Tyana? Well, he seems to have that effect on many people, and he seems to approach people that way. And people come to him in those terms. I've come to him in those terms. I've come to him in that exact sense of wanting to have something, uh, you know, his devotion to Mary the Untire of Knots. Who is she? I never heard of her until three days ago. Mary the Untire of Knots in Augsburg or someplace like that. Well, I was, um, I've got a knot, don't you? <laughs> you know, I'd like a knot untied, don't you? You know, um, I'm thinking about these things all the time in relationship to myself, and you are too, I suspect. Um, many people are. And um, so he is a healer in that tradition. Was he a political reformer? Well, listen to what he says about climate change or about various other issues that are dear to the hearts of many who are political reformers. Yes, yes, yes. Um, is he this? Is he that? He's all and none. And um, we see uh, in this man's ministry, not just in the last few weeks, but in the last few years, for some reason beyond my ken, to say the least, uh, God has given to us for this moment a a window into his own character that is uh, existing in the year 2015, just as Christ, uh, with his unique atonement and uh, Calvary and passion, uh, exhibited back then. And we really don't need to go any further than those uh, pictures of Francis. So that's what I want to say. You might as well say that all these books, I mean, I've written, you know, I've written two major dissertations, tons of articles, uh, been interviewed, I mean, that is to say, been examined in, in faculties of, of, of supposed prominence on this subject that have uh, been at the heart of this kind of procedure. And uh, really, you will sort of want to say, you know, it was, it was a waste of time. Of course, it wasn't a waste of time. But in a sense, from the standpoint of that which is veritas, yes, it was a waste of time. Because all I needed to do is wait till September the whatever it is, uh, 2015, and just about every question, though not all, but just about every question which I brought to the Gospels uh, concerning the historical Jesus has been answered just by looking and observing. Thank you very much, and let's listen to Glenn Campbell, who also knows about these things. Yeah. 